I flipped my drawers already this morning after that goddamn training camp thing. I had to flip my drawers over. <laughs> Why did you put them on the air condition when you were doing your show? I did. So that's what I did. So I got to the room. I put my drawers and I shoved them in the vent. And I turned the air conditioner on high, high fan. And it dried them out. And then I flip them over and put them on because... It's then, like a new pair of drawers, huh? It's a new pair of drawers because the outside of the drawers didn't touch nothing but cotton. They got jeans on it. They got jeans. That ain't bad. The inside of it was in was in the motherfucking sewer system. <laughs> Man, that's so funny. I ain't, I didn't know that nobody flipped their drawers till I started messing with y'all. I thought everybody flipped their drawers. I just put a new pair on if I got to flip them. That's expensive. <laughs> I got drawers at the house that I done rubbed the ass out of. <laughs> <laughs> The whole ass is a hole. Wait, what? <laughs> there he is. You guys are missing flex from me? Yeah, yeah. Missing flex, dog. You, man? All is good? Man, well, it's my pleasure. What's happening with oh, you, brother? Oh, How brother, you doing? Brother. Good to see you, man. Yeah. Yes, sir. It's my pleasure. Yeah, you right there, Cole? You got that big boy on. Oof. You know? <laughs> Ooh. There's a statement piece. Yes, um, it no. is. Yes, it is. No, there's a funny story behind that, so... uh I was talking to the team last year um, about, like, we had a, it was like OTA 5 or something. And I was like, you know, this practice, I knew we have something here because of the guys, like, the, the team that I inherited was a shell of what they were playing at the time. And so I made a bold statement, and they didn't know who they were messing with, right? So that they, I said, like, all right, I'm going to go to the, the jewelry store and make an irresponsible decision. <laughs> I'm going to spend way more money than I would ever spend on anything. And it makes me the dumbest person in America <laughs> if, you know, I get fired next year. Right. I'm out of gas. <laughs> this is totally irresponsible. It's a solid investment um, if, the, if it is what I think it is, right? And so they just thought I was just talking shit. I went to the watch store, and they threw like a special edition one of twenty five at me, and I was like, "Okay, it's fate." <laughs> so that's how I got the watch. Right. Uh, and, it, and it says two forty six on it, which is the time that I got hired, and it's a great investment as long as I'm right. So it represents that, represents a lot of things, but that's why I wear it all the time, and it is loud. Nah, I mean it's definitely loud, and, yeah. and you aren't necessarily loud, but in the way that you speak, uh, let's just say it rings, uh, it's, it's rings volumes throughout the sports world. Hold up. Limitless. They can see me capping it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. On the mission, get me up. Knowing me, I got the key. On the vision, I can trust. Trust. Limitless. They can see me capping it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. On the mission, get me up. This is Chan. He got his Miami Dolphin colors on for you. No, coach. no, no like, this would be important for you guys to introduce yourselves. I have no idea who you are. Yeah, this is a, <laughs> this is Freddie T. <laughs> That's well, Freddie I, T. I, I am RC. I tell him. I'm more so introducing ourselves to the people, coach. Okay. Hopefully, you know who we are. I, are you here. kidding me? Like when Ann told me about this deal, I was like, I have to do it. This is literally the only moment that isn't scheduled out. And it's honestly my honor. Like, you guys have no idea what you're stepping into. Just a straight-up fanboy. There's elements in your guys' career that shape 
what I'm doing now. Mm. So like um, on a door that I have going out to the practice field is fast, physical, elite technique. And you develop that mantra over, that's, that's something that I wanted the team to look like. And one of the first exposures was 2012 in Pittsburgh in those throwback. So ugly. But so like intimidating. <laughs> like it was like a crew of bad dudes. <laughs> and we showed up and there's one play in particular. And just so you know, I'm not, I'm not bullshitting. Okay, it was tight will me six. Remember that call? Mm-hmm. And you were a quarter safety, Ryan, at about 12 yards. And we had full flow with uh, Daryl Young, our fullback, who was a former mm -hmm. linebacker, and he was a thumper, and it would always bring it to people. And we've been working on our combinations um, all week. We'd practice against Jim Hazlitt's version of the defense. So, and we go full flow, we catch tight when we six, you're playing a quarter of the field and you trigger with zero hesitation and short neck DY in the C gap on the line of scrimmage. And it was like, what, what just happened? We just got a premier look, full flow run versus two shell. The dude didn't cheat it. And then Kamikaze are in the C gap. That play style hangs with you and then there's other players right then i knew you as freddie with the gold fronts <laughs> <laughs> now now you're corporate i mean but there's a, a a phrase that i use with running backs because one of the one of the tough things from the college to pro transition you know you're so used to just being able to run around people and like in, in the National Football League, where pursuit is, like you're doing the entire um, defense a favor if, as you try to make somebody miss, you break down, right? Then it's tattoo, ear hole, fumble, all that stuff. So you had a natural way of what I call slashing. Like you were a one foot cutter that would find edges of defenders that would keep yourself away from pursuit yeah. slash running is something that literally all the, the running backs um, that we have on roster, um, you know, working with Chris, that's what we look for. And then my man right here, can we get some stories about your mouthpiece? Because <laughs> it's legendary. <laughs> What's that? He talked cash money, coach. Your lore still is around. I remember, um, right at the beginning of my career, because when did you come up? Five. Five? Yeah. So my first year in coaching was 05. You were a Mike that could thump, but for some reason, you or somebody around you was always getting personal fouls. <laughs> <laughs> you know, taunted, like, you know what I mean? And like, there's just some legends out there. Yeah, sir. Uh, Coach, some, that ain't changed now. We, We've almost been canceled as a podcast three or four times Bro. based off of Channing, just speaking his mind. I will say, Coach is, a, is the Channing of coaching. Coach, you say whatever the hell pops in your no, mind, No, but too. I mean, if you're not close to being canceled, you're not even trying, right? <laughs> <laughs> Coach, no. I have a, so I, I want to hear a story and, and see how true this story is. Your Denver Broncos, I guess, tenure, 
And a love connection was made because you were trying to be sneaky and get double autographs from yeah. the same guy. Yeah, I was that guy. Right. Yeah. And you lost your Charlotte Hornets hat. Right. They said it was a fire hat, though, Coach. You, yeah, can't, no. you can't just put it, it was down. Fitted. It was like right in Grandma, Grandma Ma, Larry Johnson days. Um, and it was a, I mean, it was loud. It was a, a teal with purple rim. And yeah, they, I thought it was too noticeable. So uh, Robert Del Pino was the guy. It was my passion then. You know, I was riding at seven o'clock in the morning, riding my bike solo to training camp and getting before um, from dorms to breakfast and then to breakfast to, at that time it was two days and dudes getting taped. And, you know, it's funny how life can, you can get these curveballs or these opportunities that you, that are so fortunate when you're just chasing your passion. I was just trying to get autographs. Trying to, and I, I didn't want to be that guy that was like, I already got you today. I had more cars to get signed, you know? Right. I see that as, a, as an advantage because I come from such humble beginnings that, you know, if I do it the right way, um, you never lose that perspective. It's easy to get caught in life, just the ups and downs of the little stuff and how far that has come is never lost to me when I'm, when I'm executing my, my job now. Yeah, we figured we'll just call this Johnny Manziel Day. Yeah. We didn't do any research. Oh, yeah? Zero research, and we definitely didn't watch any film. Oh, zero. 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 Dude, I was there. I was there, too. I was there. <laughs> I was there, and I was getting the reports of zero. That, shit, that is real. <laughs> How do you go to the GM coach and say, hey, man, look, Johnny don't know nothing. He ain't look at no film. I tried to stay in my lane at that time. <laughs> it was kind of a hairy situation. You know, it's up in the air whether or not there was congruence of thought in that draft selection, let's say. So we knew what it was, and at that time, it was more like C, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that, was a wild, that was a wild time there. And hey Coach, what about your path? Because they were talking about the coaching trees and mm -hmm. the Kyle Shanahan stuff and where you came from, and the past is everybody so different. We had Sean McVay on, who I know mm -hmm. is a good friend of yours. Yeah. And y'all's paths are so different than what we're used to with those old 75-year-old head coaches, and they call y'all young gurus. How, how are guys like you able to be in the position you are now? What's your path here? Forward thinkers that have nothing to do with us, Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, giving us an opportunity, like when we're as hungry as all get out. And the good thing about it is, is if you're empowered in those situations, we all knew what time it was. We had something to prove. Like when you're a young coach, like don't get it twisted. Since I got into coaching at 22, I know exactly what people are thinking the second they see me when they don't know me. And that's how young guys feel. And so then you better be on your, on your stuff. And, you know, I learned early that the game of coaching is not hard. I look at players, and it's something we talk about as an organization, and we do with the Dolphins all the time, is like, dude, you've worked your whole life, and you have this window, this window that can, that is an opportunity that is finite. How precious, how sacred that is, and really, in that window, all players want 
is someone that can help them be better. So the vision of Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan connecting the dots, you know, it was a risk on them. We were getting called in the paper, the fun bunch and kind of like, <laughs> and, and people were hating on Kyle saying he just hired his friends. And he wasn't the nicest to all of us, so I wouldn't call us friends. <laughs> no, we're very close, but like it was that. And then knowing that, okay, players just want tools to be successful. And they'll listen to anything and everything if it can really help. You know, I think it was very, very impactful for all of us involved, drafting Robert Griffin and him having run and shoot type offense. And then having a skill set like that, doing zone read, and figuring it all out on our own, like as a coaching staff. That planted the seed for how we're all from the same system, but it's all, it all looks a little different. We got into it under the assumption that there's no absolutes and that you are problem solving to maximize your players and you don't hold back or or resist how far you need to go to get that done. Channing here. mentioned guru, right? And I think that's something that's thrown around a little too often now in sports because coaches are getting younger. And they expect that if you can earn this job at a young age, you have to have this exceptional level of intelligence, but you truly do. Ivy League educated, wrote your thesis. I knew I love this guy. <laughs> you wrote your thesis on ball. I did. You know, and what was what, what, zero research? He was yeah. joking. Come I on, just, man. You said curveball. Yeah, he was. He wasn't talking about me. Okay. But yeah. so and so, Thank coach, and you write yeah. all thirty-two teams that you want any entry-level job. So this was truly what you wanted to do. And I love the fact that you mentioned Kyle as well, because until the Miami Dolphins, every NFL job you'd ever had. Kyle was a mm -hmm. part of that staff. But you spent two years, or you spent some time away from the NFL, Coach. Can you tell me a little bit about what you learned about yourself in that time away and also coaching in the UFL? Well, it's kind of like a life philosophy. What, what I learned, there's a relatableness that I have for players from the moment that I got let go in most players' journeys that is, whoa, your identity is wrapped up in this deal. It's weird when you go on a come up of being a, on a team and then you, go, you do transition from team to team, but you realize that like, that is a big part of your own identity from within. And much like, that's why I'm so sensitive about players retiring, because all of a sudden, bam, I was so hurt and I was so mad that the situation got to where it got, that I had something to do with not being in the NFL at the time, that I knew that it was like, okay, the, this has to be a competitive advantage moving forward. I have to look, the, look myself in the mirror and not run from it and like eat it day in, day out so that when I get back in, whether it's like staying a little later, grinding a little concept, thinking through different ways to try to communicate a thought to somebody, I needed to use those days away and never forget them. Never forget them so that perspective can be had 
when, you know, you're in the NFL and you're in a three-game losing streak. You know how that is. You go to work every day, right, and then you fail for 21 days. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. But how bad is that? Well, I had the opportunity to have some perspective. I better hold on to that. I better make that purposeful. The past is something you can't control. But in my opinion, through the present, you can determine what the past was. So you at least can take back control over something that, you know, you, you feel like you don't have any. I, I didn't want that to be the story. So, okay, I'm going to make that one of the things that is a big part of how we operate and what we do. During that time you were away with the Cali Redwoods, I mm -hmm. believe 2009 and 10, and knowing that one day you would get back in the NFL, is that the moment that you developed the mindset? And this is a quote from Coach from D'Amico Ryan's. He said he learned from you how to be the first one in the building, whether it's 3 a.m. You know, attacking the run game, attacking the pass game, and just being a, a, a consummate head coach or a consummate coach on the staff where all the other guys learn from. Is that the time you you? Yeah, you know, I've always known that I was behind the eight ball for a majority of my life with like things that I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't around my dad. I came from whatever, I had high aspirations. So I've, I was always learning stuff. Like I wasn't one of the guys on the football team, didn't learn how to be a dependable teammate until I was a junior in high school. Same thing in, 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 in college. So learning, uh, there's always been a humility, like, for me, where it's not that I'm right or wrong or I have the right answer, but I, I damn sure can learn some shit. And learning what it means to you, truly means to you, because it's taken away, can be the greatest gift. It just so happened that one of the reasons I was let go in Houston was because um, I was late a couple times. Well, part of me doing right by that was a non-negotiable. Okay, I'm a morning guy now. Mm -hmm. And that made me feel better about the journey because, that, okay, I learned from it. And then, you know, that, that becomes infectious where then all of a sudden, I'd always been a person that when I wake up, I'm like zero to 60. My friends would always get annoyed with me in college because they'd be like, dude, relax. I'd just be, you know, and it was really easy because I was, you know, those 800 plus days were in the back of my mind. And it's just kind of the way I operate now. And, and coach, the first time I met you, we were in the 72 club. It was Stephen Ross, mm -hmm. Dan Marino, Nat Moore, yourself, bunch of other people. First time I ever shook your hand. You were the closest person to my age. I'm mm -hmm. 40 and yeah. you're a young dude. Yeah. But being in Miami, one of the questions were your was your age uh -huh. and that everybody's used to this old gray-haired guy. When I met you, I'm like, you're gonna have the shoes on. You're gonna have the Supreme ones on during the game. You're gonna have the the watch that can buy a house on. <laughs> what was it like? <laughs> <laughs> but what what was what is it like fighting? against age when you're obviously good enough, you're obviously knowledgeable enough, you're obviously football savvy enough to run an organization, but everything is that 
He's young. He's too young. He's too young. Oh, soundbite. I love that shit. <laughs> That's been the story of my entire existence. I don't fit any mold. And so, but what's nice about that, I love talking to an O lineman. Now, now people know who I am, but like during my, I was on seven different teams. This is my seventh, six previous. And the, you know, the last handful I've been working with the offensive line. So the first time that they don't know who I am and I come up and tell them something, they're like, <laughs> but the reason why I love it is because when players learn from me, listen to me, when, when I'm able to do my job, I know without a doubt it's because I've earned it. Mm. And realistically, it's kind of perfect because like, should I be entitled to people assuming I'm worth their attention, their investment? You know, it's like, I personally love it because it keeps it grounded to what it should be. Again, players, they have this one, this one op. If I'm not the best person for the job, kick rocks, Mike Daniel. Like, you know what I mean? Like, who am I? Yeah. So like being young, it is, I'm very aware of it, but it fits within the like, like the true organic way I think I should be. I think every day I should earn the post. Sometimes you just learn life lessons and it's always after the fact and then you're stuck with regret. Like, man, if I only knew. I don't want that for any player for the Miami Dolphins. None of our coaching staff does. So while trying to earn it every day, I'm really pushing them to max out stuff that will be totally sensical to them. But you know how it is, you just think it's gonna last forever or you're always gonna be on good teams. And like, I don't wish that on anyone. You know, Dan Reno talks about it all the time. I don't wish in year two, you, ah, I didn't get them. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, I'll be back. It's not you know? guaranteed. And I think some of those challenges, like I, re I really enjoy. I enjoy the fact that I'm not trying to be anything like anybody else. I think players see right through that. Yeah. Coach, you know? do you, when the old lineman would look at you, like what you're talking about, did you tell them that you won the uh, pound for pound strongest man at college or did you, that People, you did 39 pull-ups? So I'm an extreme dude, okay? So like <laughs> no one even, like besides people that were around me in college, like no one's like does, even believes me because I, I overtrained in college. I wasn't that good and I tried to make myself, you know, I was like 185 and I was, work, you know, lifting six days a week, working out six days a week and doing two days half the time. And I got pound for pound the strongest. And then when I stopped and I started coaching, I literally stopped working out. So. Just done. 
done. So like I'm a completely like I'm just an extreme person. Like I was like, yeah, no one cares if if I can lap pull down, you know, seventy percent of what I could do in college. They care about if I have a tape prepared for a meeting. Yeah. So then. I'm a little extreme with that. I probably should look at. So my, my question is this, coach. You know, you talk about the offensive, the offensive line. And I do think that the game has progressed to the point now where we've had enough coaches that don't necessarily look the part of player. Because that's not your job. Your job isn't to get out there and mm -hmm. do it. You were in a coaching staff room that had uh, Sean McVay, mm -hmm. a Matt LaFleur, and a Kyle Shanahan. Someone like yourself who is intelligent, who is a young guy, is now sitting in a room with what we now know were the young guys, right? To have that sort of room and you start to work with Coach Forrester on the offensive line and go learn that. And that's just such a different way to look at ball. Like I see ball from the back end, no matter when I watch it. If I go to a practice, I always stand behind the safety because that's where I see it. What was it like being in that room with those guys and realizing that sort of competitive friendship and relationship you can have with them to work to be your best? And why did you make the decision to start working with the offensive line? Been a career changer, probably one of the best things that I've ever done. And it was, again, goes back to learning. So often people think that you're supposed to know the right answer to stuff and get so bent out of shape if they don't or they fail. And, you know, I'd just been out the league. And it, I, I'll never forget, it was so wild going back, working with Kyle Shanahan again. And I was his right-hand dude in Houston. And then there's these two other guys that have all this knowledge on the pass game. And so it's that time out of the NFL, that fear of that ever happening again. So you go in early as the earliest and make that a habit. But I was also like, these dudes are talking and they know a lot, you know, might more know more than me. I don't know. I'm not trying to get in that pissy match right now. But like, then we go to the run game portion of the cutups and it's a dialogue between Kyle and Furster. And I'm like, hmm. I mean, this coaching thing is pretty wild. We jump around. What if I took this opportunity to be in the O-line room? Because, you know, I knew from the onset, watching other tape, I knew Kyle Shanahan was, I was the, so fortunate to be around him because he was head of the game. So he was just like putting out the best offense um, from a schematic standpoint, in my opinion, and I was in-house. How can I be the guy for him? Well, if I know what that O-line coach knows, those other guys don't know that, mm. I might have some job security in this thing. Again, it goes back to not, instead of shaming yourself, owning it, but then making sure that that was, that past was a positive, not a negative. And it, changed literally everything you know it, it's cool because the whole game of football all of offense now can come down in its simplest form in in my mind to what's very natural for receivers and dbs a route tree if you have a widened departure stem well you better have 
every angle cut at the top. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, corners can overplay yep. the route, right? So you have to have play by the release. And working in the offensive line, I started to realize everything was like that. You have to take away the widened departure out route. When you do, this is opened up. That's schematically what football is across the board now because I went from there and it was such an unbelievable situation with, you know, Mike Shanahan and Chris Furster and Kyle Shanahan immersing into the run game. It gave me a different angle to work. I, w- I was coaching receivers and scripting run game stuff. Then I ended up going to a run game coordinator category and being able to, you know, assist the team and work with guys to, and, and utilize, you know, there's like a, a creative aspect, a creative outlet that functions within like play design. And that, that enabled me to do it. It was, um, I mean, I'm just so fortunate that, it, that the opportunity was there and that I was of clear mind to jump on that and people were willing to invest in me. What's the transition? Because it's, it's so, I can see your Terminator mask go down when you talk football at Stims and y'all are talking about these releases. Y'all said something about Willie Seam 6 or something earlier. Where <laughs> Tight Willie 6. Tight Willie 6. That was 11 years ago mm-hmm. and you're rolling the safety down and stonewalling the fullback. Yeah, like, on- I can see that. But from that to being a head coach, the face of an organization, huh? the bigger picture, you're hiring people now. So you're talking about Kyle Shanahan bringing in his boys. Now, literally, you have to bring in your boys. Mm-hmm. What's that transition from being the schematic, the creative, to now being really, you have to, you have to run a billion-dollar organization? I can assure you that I don't take it lightly. And I was also fortunate that I had a lot of peers you know, not too many people get to go through that process. I had direct peers do it in front of me. And then one of them was the, you know, worked with that dude for 14 years. And so he leaned on me for a lot. So I got to see what was in front of me. And common sense to me tells me it wasn't about the chase to get to the position. It was, you know, it'd be terrible is to get the position and feel like you weren't prepared for it. Mm. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. That'd be terrible. So I got to watch. I got to think. I got to develop at my own speed. So I was really fortunate for that. I've been in the league for a while. It's been 17 years. I think this is my 17th year in the league. (laughs) And like for a year and a half, all of a sudden people are like, like recognize me and tell me what I want to hear all the time. And it's like, what is going on? You know, that there's parts of it that are all encompassing and there, it can be an energy drain, but it's the most satisfying, complete job that I've ever had. Because every day, I've always searched for this. Like, I love the idea that today is not going through the motions. Today, is about something and every single day like i don't know if everybody feels this way but as a head coach for me i feel like it's non-negotiable for me to walk in the door and have a thirst for because it has residuals executing what i feel like is a responsibility to the 
to the 90 players as it is now, then it goes to 53 plus night plus 16 plus all the football staff plus all the coaching staff that responsibility is so tremendous i do leak energy like i get tired Hmm. i thought i knew what it was it's just at a heightened level it really reaches all the aspects that i fell in love with coaching there is some different stuff but like you just have to like come to grips with it listen there's there's some things that i know if we lose i suck (laughs) if we win i probably get a little too much credit like in this job different than the other jobs like my job is literally problems so getting your mind right about that so that you don't resist the problems that come to you you have as much ability to like fix the problem or do something about it so like I just go to work and I'm just bobbing weaving like <laughs> I'm more tired but it's definitely Coach, the, the coolest thing in my you life. You inherited or not inherited you when you get the job you have a four by one team on offense uh, whether it's Waddle, Tyreek, Mostert there's all this speed and you guys come out the gates on fire and I kind of thought about it when you said if we lose I suck mm-hmm. I'm not good at my job there were two different points where there were losing streaks mm-hmm. last year to a team that was fighting for the playoffs, eventually makes it, takes Buffalo to the brink with a backup quarterback. When you're in those times, Coach, what do you use to keep yourself motivated and also your team as the head coach last year of the Miami Dolphins? Our team's mantra that you can hear our players really gravitate to is adversity is opportunity. Like some of the most impactful things that have happened in my career, I vividly remember Mike Shanahan being in the tank about, we were three and six in 2012, Robert Griffin's rookie year. No thanks to you. And I tell uh, you what, coach, I sure appreciated that throwback pass to him, though. Okay. Oh, funny story about that. (laughs) So, you know, one of the things that I was able to contribute that week, we all contribute our various things, but Josh Morgan. Um, I knew that he could throw. And so in practice, we go out there and he just layers a ball. And it's a dime. And I'm like, that's awesome. And Matt LaFleur's like, dude, he better not hang the ball up that, that much. And I'm like, Matt, you worry too much. And Matt LaFleur was right. <laughs> <laughs> you closed. One of the most impactful things, though, is I remember Mike Shanahan in times that I was just in the tank, one like that three and six um, year, and him just exuding confidence and being like, wow, I don't know why I was so down. Like, he's so right. And I'm not sure if it was messaging sometimes or just how he carried himself. Bottom line was, I went into the job, I'd tell my wife that she'd get mad at me, I'd talk about adversity, but I was like, I cannot wait for my first three games losing streak. That's what I was saying last offseason. Because to me, that's when people need a head coach. And if I want to be a head coach, like, cool, two-game winning streak, three-game winning streak, high fives. But, like, the true test is can you be a part of help facilitate be surrounded with the right people to dig out of those 
inevitable adversities. And for whatever reason, I said three-game losing streak because I, I, that was just off the rip. So the, I, the first losing streak I had was three games. Like the past is only what, to me, you say in the present it is or you dictate in the present that it is. This year, this offseason has been incredible. There's a connection to me that's stronger. To me, that was developed in those three and five game losing streaks because you're stripped down. And a lot of times people show you exactly who they are. But I already knew what it was. Like people are upset that the Dolphins are losing. Should that bother me? No. The hardest thing in the world is when you have no control. And so that's all people that are rooting for someone. You have no control. It's, it's, I, I cannot stand watching close basketball games. Because I'm like, <laughs> dude, this is miserable, man. And so like, I understand that. And that's part of it. And I feel like if I'd expect anything else, like, who am I to be entitled to it? So I'm obviously I didn't want it to happen, but I, I will say that this year there's been a tangible difference in, in our connection as a team. You guys get it. Like most people don't lose five in a row. Yeah. You know how to, you give one player day off. A lot of times you're not using it. There's a lot of guys that are doing stuff on that day off. Yeah. It is every day, all waking hours, your family's not around, your friends aren't around because you are committed to this. Build up. Yeah, lose. For five weeks in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is a hot mess. Yeah. But, like, it's also the players deserve, the organization deserves, and it was so cool. And they'll never forget what it was like to win a game. I think we won it 11 to 6 to get in the playoffs. And all week, no one gave us a ch shot. And believe me, I played a lot of the narrative to the team of like no one gave us a shot. And that whole experience all leads up to something that's so powerful for our team, who is new, hadn't had a Sunday night television game in like 20 years, hadn't won a playoff game in 23, we're in the playoffs and we almost pull it off. That was a testament to a, a, a complete grind of a year that was so up and down. We started on the map and does the head coach work in IT, the quarterback's a bust, and the team is whatever, then, then you start to get some success, and you have a little notoriety, it's taken from you, then you have all the stuff go down, then you start winning again, then you go back down. And then to come together and be that close, now as an organization, as a team, our goal isn't to go to the playoffs. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. so that's huge. But also, like, really what a team can do. We started 
a right guard at right tackle. We had two guys that, that had started on the offensive line all year playing that game. One guy that was playing his position. You know, Skyler was a rookie. You know, the list of things is endless. And you still found a way. So I wouldn't take any of it back. To me, this offseason, our team has made it purposeful. Um, and that's, that's a beautiful thing to me. Coach, the game is the game. We had an opportunity to sit down with Mike Tumlin, mm-hmm. a guy who absolutely loves Ryan as one of his former players. Damn, they, I'm they, definitely not the coolest person <laughs> you've had on set. <laughs> uh, but so many responsibilities as a head coach, a lot of micromanaging. We've heard the sound bites with, you know, you and Tua. We've seen you and Jalen Ramsey at the Heat playoff game. Uh-huh. It seems you have a genuine relationship with these guys, right? How do you, what are some of the strategies you use to develop these strong relationships or is it just part of who you are as a person? I think it it goes back to empathy of, I'm a coach. So inherent, my job is to serve players and I don't take it lightly, nor do all the coaches like in our building, it's infectious, listen, we're telling you to do something, and you are going to be judged on that. It better be the right thing. And you have to build relationships, understanding that you don't know the walk of life of each individual. Like, you know 10%. But, like, there's so much stuff that goes on, I don't feel entitled to, oh, you better listen to me. Mm-hmm. I better earn it. I better earn your trust. Yep. You, better, you better believe that I know what I'm talking about. Henceforth, I don't really think it's a bad thing that, I mean, I've been going against it my entire life. I've never looked the part of anything. That's okay because that just means it's on merit. And the, these dudes, this is their dream, and you have an ability to directly affect it. In the, right. And so I think it's important to, set forth relationships but it's duly important that you you have to jump at the opportunity to do right by players and correct them and i don't think that has to be weird i don't think you have to like yell at someone or you can't get too close to them i can know that what makes you tick so i can better respond to your behavior but bottom line is you need me to tell you when that's some bullshit. <laughs> Real talk. Coach, you uh, you have great sound bites, not just good. Uh, you know, you and Justin Fields on mm-hmm. the sideline, thought that was a good one. It didn't stop him from running. And no, it didn't. By the way. It, Terrible it, listener. Yeah, it was not coachable. Ter- uncoachable. Mm-hmm. At least by the other head coach. Yes. For, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, you've decided who you're going to kiss, marry, or kill of your coaching friends, Sean, Kyle. Yeah, that was my first day. you probably grown now to know you don't have to answer uh, every question. You are the <laughs> the unmatched champion of best interview in the AFC East. Man, right? that's, why, that's, not, no, that's why I got in this. That's not why you got into it. <laughs> no. But that brings me to the point of how, how tough the AFC East will be this year. Mm-hmm. And no matter what you look like, you're a football dude. Right, football dudes see those challenges and get excited because that's why we got into it, right? Like we want to play the best, we want to beat the best, 
And now you have You are leading right into, it's one of my many rants I've had this offseason. Well, tell so us a little it's, about it's your perfect rant. Because in my journey in football, the best teams I've been on, the teams that have gone places in the playoffs, that have gone to the championship games, that have gone to the Super Bowl, every single year there was multiple teams in the division that were playoff teams, and they were wars. Mm-hmm. And a couple times, uh, this last one being the exception, but before that, when I made it to the playoffs and lost, uh, 2012 was an example. We were the only team that made the playoffs in the division. If your goal is to not just make it to the playoffs, that's perfect. The idea is you're trying to be your very best and you're pushing your team to be the best. So inherently, you have to play the best. So I'm fired up because I know what that means. Now, because I don't, we don't want a gift playoff spot and then get tattooed <laughs> in front of like 30 million. Like, no, like you want to be ready. And yeah, in the division, it is strong. I, I, I could make an argument or it, it wouldn't be outlandish to say any one of the teams, and I'm saying any one of them could win the division. That's exactly what you want. Like, what are we trying to do? So, like, if you're chasing it and there's only, you know, one team that's happy or whatever, you, you, bottom line is you're never going to get around the fact that you have, to, you have to play the best. And I know our division is going to be a chore. Outstanding. That's what you want. Yeah. Coach, yeah. how do you now, when you're, when you're in front of your team and you say that, right? You say, we have the opportunity to play the Josh Allens, to play the Bill Belichicks. Like, like those are the people we need to be just to earn our spot in the tournament. When you look out into your room, right? When you look out into that meeting room, do you feel you have the guys to do that? I 100% know that we have the people capable of doing anything and everything we want in this in in this season within the league which is why it's so it's almost like a a relief because all we have to we don't have to worry about the jets we don't have to worry about the patriots we don't have to worry about the bills we have to worry about our daily investment on our craft like Go down the list. The formula is very simple. The greatest of what? You want to go Jordan Kobe direction, Steph basketball. You want to go Muhammad Ali. You want to go any sport. Okay. And that it's not like they're talking to, they're like, I'm going to be awesome on that game over there. They're not worried about the game over there worry about today and they obsess about it and they are constantly in a secure fashion not satisfied with their game constantly again last year I'm not sure if it would have happened this offseason 
But when I tell you from OTAs to now, the focus of the team, like other good teams have been on, has been about getting better in the real way. And that's what excites me. You can't, you don't know what's going to happen. Injuries are a part of this game. Circumstances, things that you can't control. But I know that the guys are understanding and operating that way across the board. I look at super talented individuals and they are putting their best foot forward in the craft that they've made their lifetime objective. Like everyone is on one. Coach, you're intense, bro. Yeah. You're well fucking thought out. Like you go deep in the shit. Do oh, you bro. do you bullshit? Like what do you do for fun, oh, yeah, man? No, no. Like you walk through the grocery store and say, if I go down aisle seven, I can get the meat more efficient if I go <laughs> to the like like do you just bullshit and hang out? No, I do, but heavy investment. So so here's here's this God little thing. Damn, we, we we are sit, we're sitting on a gold mine right now of just layups of human interaction, okay? So what's everyone doing now? They're on their phone. Like, I bullshit all the time, and, but it's just simply, I just invest in conversation. I have the worst phone etiquette known to man. No one's got a hold of me, like, in the last two years. It's like, they go through my wife. I'm a pretty random guy. I like comedy, and, I, and so if you want to, like, we could just go deep into this table and I would make random observations. I bullshit all the time, but yeah, yeah I'm a thinker. I better be thinking about some shit, you know? <laughs> Sometimes you just, shit, let's ride, let's go fishing. Oh. Let's catch a bass, like, oh. you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it, it, no. there, There's an advantage to being in an industry and being in a role that you've obsessed about being in since you were five, and that's rare. My motives have been to be great and i knew that i was just a different sounding looking whatever so i try to have reasons for everything that i do and then i don't feel bad about it because i i know i'm going to be wrong on some stuff humans are infallible i don't i think that's where people get messed up like i'm a head coach now i'm supposed to be right all the time no i'm not wow i'm supposed to do the best thing with the available information I mean, if cameras were on right now, I had, I'm at the, my random off-color humor is premier. Because all your players love you. I'll oh. tell you that much, because I talk to a lot of guys down yeah. in Miami. All your players love you. So I can see the relatability, but, bro, you are deep as hell. Yeah. Yeah. I almost forgot. I saw it when I looked at Chan's shirt. You have to tell us what your biggest pivot in life has been. What's that, that one moment that you can always, that you can point to and say this either changed me, this affected me, this moved me in a certain way. Oh yeah, that's easy. Ah, there's two, two pivots. Uh, uh, I have sick basketball moves, I'm pivoting twice. <laughs> Hawk said you taught him using Allen Iverson. I did, I did. I, I've always used basketball terms because I think people, the, the terms like a crossover, you make someone crossover and they naturally get in a release pattern. I use drop step too. January 4th, 2016, when I stopped drinking. That has been monumental. Again, um, things were happening in life. 
and I wanted to dictate the terms. And I recognized, I mean, shoot, I, I had alcohol every day, but I realized that I was not addressing problems and running from them and hurting my wife at the time, so I stopped. And then when I stopped doing that, that control made me focus on doing my job and only my job. And that's when I started getting promoted. That's when it finally took off. And then October 2nd, 2020, when um, my daughter was born. So we'd been married for five or six years, been together for a while. And we didn't think it was in the cards. We couldn't get pregnant. We did fertility uh, testing on both sides. And then it push come to shove is actually Kyle Shanahan's wife. Mandy Shanahan was with my wife one day where I was at work and she like keeled over and threw up from like menstruation pain. Mandy was like, what is wrong with you? And she's like, oh no, this just happens once in a while. And Mandy was like, that is not right. They went to see this specialist. I, had, I was making enough money at the time um, I was running game coordinator so I could afford an exploratory surgery. Turns out she had endometriosis, got that clear, cleared out. Then the day before we left for the Super Bowl, um, San Fran against Kansas City. Like, wasn't even thinking, like, it had gone through the whole thing. And it was a big deal to me because, you know, I wanted to be a dad. I had a, I had a lot of a bone to pick in my life about to rectify that. And it wasn't in the cards, and all of a sudden, randomly, oh, she's pregnant. What? And I tell you what, like, everything that people say about fatherhood and being a parent, like, yeah, I get it. And it doesn't even do it justice. I mean, it's been the most fulfilling, cool, daily thing. It doesn't even do it justice. It, it is everything everything to me um that girl new words her 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 moods the the things that she i mean they say some crazy stuff so innocent i just hadn't been around it i didn't have any siblings these little kids have are so happy with just what it is and like, how do we lose that in our journey? Like we shouldn't, but we should gain that back when we witness that because it's just like the beauty of like a human being with no scars. Mm -hmm. When their world, it's okay for it just to be mom and dad, that they don't need it to be bigger. All of the insecurities and all of the things that come as we grow, it's just pure. And it's so, so beautiful. I'm going to be a psychopath. <laughs> First of all, my, money, my wallet already has a hole in it. <laughs> Second of all, these dudes that are trying to date her in her teenage years, man, you better believe I'm going to have the most goony of goons on our football team. <laughs>
show him a wife beater, and flex on somebody. <laughs> well, Coach, hey. Oh, man. I got, I got two myself. I totally understand it's crazy. it, it's a, it is, It is a beautiful you know? thing to love somebody that at some point can do absolutely nothing for you. No, you it, just love them because they exist. What really gives us satisfaction in life is is having like a a true investment in something, true unconditional love, and it's it's the most powerful thing. It's so simple. I'm gonna go up to the hotel room. She's probably gonna make me watch Sing Two for the nine hundredth time. You go watch it too, and I'm gonna be all in. <laughs> you go watch it, <laughs> and you know what's funny is I always get to sit. She she gets up. And uh, makes my wife dance to to the songs and sing too. And I wanted to, the funniest thing in the world is when it's been a long day for my wife and she's tired and doesn't want to do it. But my daughter will just like temper tantrum, like, Mom, get up, get up. <laughs> and so then she'll be like dancing, but like not smiling, just like mad. <laughs> That is the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, is this real life? You know, it's real. You are truly a human that identifies with the problems of people. And that's what the job yeah. of head coach is. And I think, one, I'm truly fascinated by you. I just want to sit down and talk ball. And like, there's like, all of these different stories and lessons wrapped up in the ball, but eventually we do get to the ball. Yeah. And in getting to the ball, we also learn things about life. And I believe that's what human interactions should be, whether we're inside of a facility or out. Like yeah. that's that's life. And so coach, we appreciate your time. Like I know how much you have to do, man. This was this was amazing. And you know, if you got some time next off season, I'd love to sit down and do it again. Absolutely. Appreciate I you. I mean, coach. I just I can't believe I tricked you guys into doing this. <laughs> Which I ran with I made the pivot. We're, we're, we're in your hood, man. We're down by Davey. You know, we definitely will stop in and check you out. Yeah? Yeah, man. Yes, sir. Hey, yeah. Coach, we appreciate you. Coach. Yeah. This was amazing, man. Okay. Uh, we appreciate you sitting down. Sure. Yes, sir. Yeah. My man. <laughs> I, I feel guilty to keep you guys this late. No, come on. That's good. awesome. Man. We like, appreciate you. We're here for you. You guys are definitely jumping on a PJ, yes, so who cares, man? Oh, we wish. We wish. Coach, we appreciate you, Coach. Oh, yeah, for Thank sure, you, bro. Now, that was awesome, Coach. Sure. I was like, you had and you had so much stuff though. I was like, man, I'm not gonna get to it all. Oh man, <laughs> that's that's wild. But it's real though. You guys have been a part of my journey too. Hold up, limitless. They got some cap pinning it. I thought they here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. On the mission, get me up. Knowing me, I got the key. On this vision, I can trust. Trust, limitless. They got some cap pinning it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Where I'm feeling, get me up. Uh, on the mission, get me up.